0: Amen. Thank you, Jonathan, for leading us. We have a seat, and I want to welcome you this morning. Uh, I'm so uh, grateful again for another day that we can gather together and encounter the Lord in community. And uh, on Wednesdays, we like to unite around wisdom, teaching that instructs. And one of the patterns that we have here on Wednesdays in chapel is to invite in as speakers uh, leaders and pastors from the local church in the Twin Cities. And uh, I always love these small world moments uh, that that happen (laughs) more and more uh, these days. But uh, our our speaker this morning, uh, her name was passed to me by one of our other student life staff. And when I saw her name, I recognized I went to youth group with her husband, my best friend actually, and his wife uh, that I went to high school with, goes to to the church that she's uh, helping lead at. And so I love uh, how the Lord just connects uh, us together in his kingdom. And so this morning we have Pastor uh, Stephanie. Williams O'Brien and uh, she's the co lead pastor at Mill City Church in northeast Minneapolis and uh, there she uh, teaches and, and has a special emphasis on leadership development uh, both uh, overseas and uh, in uh, across the street and around around the neighborhood and developing missional communities so uh, would you please give a warm northwestern welcome to Pastor Steph and uh, would you place a hand over her as we pray for her and a hand up as we pray for our own hearts and minds as well
1: Father in heaven, we are
0: so grateful that as we just sung um, to you about your holiness, that we can stand in your presence because of Christ as you redeemed sons and daughters. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd fill our hearts with a great appreciation and awareness and a gratitude of your presence amongst us, that you'd help us to lean in, to pay attention, that our hearts would be good soil. And we pray for Pastor Steph. Thank you for bringing her here. And uh, Lord, the word that you have given her to share with us this morning, I pray that you would give her understanding, utterance and unction as she speaks and that uh, she would ha- have a clear sense in, uh, of your presence with her and that we're all in this journey together. And so it may uh, may we be different. May we be more like you, Jesus, as a result of our time together. We love you so much. And we pray this in Jesus name. Amen.
1: Amen. Thank you. Man, it's awesome to be here with you guys. Um, Seriously, because when I get to spend time with college students, I'm I'm about to turn 36 in like three weeks, okay? When I'm around you, I immediately feel more relevant. And I appreciate that about you. You're so cool. Like, I don't think, maybe you don't realize that because you see each other every day, but when I'm with the 30-somethings and the 40-somethings and I come back and I hang out with you, I'm like, that's cool. I don't think I can pull off that shirt, but that's cool. I love that about you. I've learned from my college student friends and my high school friends that there are two things you're supposed to try to avoid in your life. You're trying to find the perfect balance between being basic and extra. Is that right? You're trying to find this? Okay, because I might be misunderstanding that. I'm learning, the older I get, the more I misunderstand. So I'm trying to be in between basic and extra. And anyone who knows me knows that my, if I'm gonna fall into one of them, it's probably gonna be this one, okay? I'm just gonna warn you about that. Anybody else a little extra, and you're just willing to admit it? They tell you you are. I, I had a bunch of people. I had a bunch of people say like I I mentor an eighth grader, and she was like, "Steph, you're so extra," and I was like, "Yeah, you too." She was like, "It's not good," so it's been rough, but. I do. I genuinely love being here. I, I just think you guys are awesome. I'm so grateful that you're here and you're learning and you're investing in your spiritual life and your life here at Northwestern. I, I'm so grateful. I, I usually bring just a few pictures with me of myself because I know when I'm sitting there, I'd rather not feel like the person talking at me for a half an hour is a complete stranger. So I hope that's okay. Um, I brought a few pictures. So the first one is of uh, some of my church. So Mill City Church. Mill City is a nickname for Minneapolis. Maybe you've heard that before. Um, and we're in Mill City in Minneapolis and so we worship in a school and so you can see that picture down at the bottom those are That's the public school that we worship in. It's really beautiful. We're so grateful to be there However, Sheridan School is definitely a struggling school And so God's given us so many really awesome opportunities to love them in the name of Jesus That's our mission to love our community in the name of Jesus The pictures on the top I, I brought because uh, one of my favorite things about our church is that We do our baptisms outside in the Mississippi River, okay? So I don't know if any of you have intentionally gone into the Mississippi River, but it's very dirty and it's got quite the current, but like, I don't know, baptizing people with the city behind, it's so awesome. So this picture right here is of me and uh, this dude, who's a dad of this gal, Sky, who is in ninth grade and we baptized her this summer and Sky's right there. I brought her with, sermon illustration. Uh, I thought it would be fun if Sky came along, but man, it was really awesome. I love doing baptisms in the river. I only dropped one person. Did you know that I did that? Did I tell you that beforehand? I didn't tell you before that happened. Um, she was a pole vaulter at the University of Minnesota, so she popped right back up. It was fine. I actually went down with her a little bit um, under the water, so I don't know if I was rebaptized. It's weird. But she pulled us both back up because she was a pole vaulter. Thank you, Jesus. So, um, other than that, we've never dropped anybody. We never dropped anyone. We didn't drop you. But I think your dad was helping me with that. Yeah, that's good. Um, So, that's a little bit about my church. Um, The next picture shows my husband, who was just mentioned, JD, and my dog, Chaco. Yes, he is named after the sandals. And Chaco's eight, and JD's 34. Sorry, I don't even, not that you cared about his age, but I said the dog's age. Anyway. um, And I met Chaco when he was a puppy, and there's a picture here. I know. I picked him out. Actually, really, it's more like he picked me. I picked him up. There was a bunch of puppies, eight puppies, and I was like, I think this is mine. I picked him up, and he peed on me. <laughs> and I knew it. He picked me right then. This is my dog, and I will be his human. And um, so Chaco and I had quite the, the love for each other for many years, and then my husband and I met online on Hinge dating app, okay, no, no shame. And, um, you know, you swipe right and left. Some of you know. If you don't know, don't worry about it. But you swipe right. He tells me that he was like, she seems fine. And then I intentionally put a picture of me and Chaco because it's really like a deal breaker if the guy it's like must love dogs. Okay. So he sees me. He's like, oh, she seems cool. Female pastor. That'd be interesting. And then he sees Chaco and he's like, oh, swipe right for sure, definitely. I love this dog. He actually grew up with a dog that looked like Chaco. And so uh, basically it has been a really great um, bromance that I've watched between Chaco and, and, and JD. And I really think they fell in love at least a month before JD and I did. And um, But in the end, we all fell in love with each other. And so it's working out really great. We're gonna be married in two years. Our anniversary is coming up next month. And so we, we made it almost to two years, which is awesome. And when JD knew that I was the right person for him, let's just say he picked me and I knew and it was different than what happened with the puppy. Okay, so that's what we knew. Just saying. Yeah, you got that? It's a joke, it's extra. Right, I know. Okay, one last final thing and this is just a special announcement that I don't normally tell people but I'm telling you all today and I think you'll see why. And this next picture shows I, this is is little Stephanie right there. Look at me, my little curly hair. Um, I am what I call a Billy Graham kid. Maybe some of you know of this language. What this means is that I grew up as a, a child of somebody who worked for Billy Graham, like the Billy Graham that the Billy's named after, right? You call it that, the Billy? Okay, do you think he knew about the fact that you guys called that the Billy? Guess what he did know? Because I texted him, I'm not kidding you. I told him before, I said I sent a selfie of myself in the Billy. And I sent it to his assistant and I said, please tell Mr. Graham that these kids are calling his building the Billy because I think that's hilarious. (laughs) And I was told a couple years ago that he thought that was funny too and so that's awesome. And I did get a chance to go to his funeral with my mom last year and it was really meaningful, really cool to be there. And I know the legacy of Mr. Graham is rich here. And I am here in Minnesota because Mr. Graham's organization was here for a long time because of... Northwestern, that's exactly why and so thank you for making me a Minnesota girl because otherwise I would not have lived here my whole life But because of Northwestern so anyway, that's just kind of a fun Random fact that I barely ever tell people but I hope it's relevant to you and I hope you tell everybody Billy loves that you called it the Billy. All right, just tell him. So today I want to talk about a subject that I'm calling um, the only way to grow the only way to grow, okay and This is my opinion about the only way to grow. And you're in college, so I expect you to have critical thinking so you can disagree with me, just totally, that's fine. But I'm, I'm, I'm an elder millennial. That means that I'm not a young millennial, I'm an elder millennial. So I know about things, and so just maybe I know some things about this but you can disagree with me, okay? The only way to grow, in my opinion. I hope that this is a relevant conversation because you're just kind of in the beginning of this spring term, right? And so you're looking at this year. I hope that you're here and you're saying, how am I gonna grow this semester? How am I gonna grow through my classes, through my activities, through my job, whatever you have going on? I hope that one of your goals is that you grow. Otherwise, this is a really expensive place to hang out without growing. (laughs) So I hope that's relevant. So I wanna start by telling you a story, okay? I recently joined um, a boxing gym, and I've been a part of a boxing gym for a little while, but my friends, Joe right here, they opened their own boxing gym, and it's called Minneapolis Boxing Club. And remember the whole thing about trying to stay relevant? Okay, so I joined the club, that's me, the short one, no shock over there with my jacket. It says Minneapolis Boxing Club. And I'm just pumped up. I'm like, oh, this is going to be so fun. I'm going to learn how to beat boxing. I'm not going to let anybody hit me. That that's It's just for hitting the, the little bag or like he's holding his little thing. I'm not going to actually hit anybody, but it'll be really fun. And so I'm, you know, it's January 1st. What do you do on January 1st, January 2nd? You think about what it means to step into your New Year's resolutions. Anybody New Year's resolutions, people? All right, so I'm like, all right, we're doing this. And the, the truth is, is that I'm pretty cynical about New Year's resolutions because most years now, out of the 36, it's kind of been like, New Year, same me. Like, frankly, same me, not new me. New Year, new me. But I decided I'm going to try this. I'm going to do it. I'm going to go to the boxing gym at least two or three times a week. All right, this is my um, optimistic view of what's going to happen. So I step into the boxing gym on January 1st at noon. And Joe and his wife Heidi are our boxing trainers. And Heidi says, "Okay, before we put any boxing gloves on, before we do any of the fun stuff, we're going to we're going to say yes to 2019." And I'm like, "Yeah. I'm saying yes to 2019. It's going to be good." And she's like, "All right. So what we're going to do is we're going to do 20 um, Okay, this is, this is a really intense Okay, so we're going to do 20 wall balls, okay? So don't keep your mind out of the gutter. We're just going to take the wall, the ball, and then you're going to take this 20-pound medicine ball. You're going to do a squat. I don't know if I've done a squat in front of this many people before. So I've done, you're going to do a squat, and you're going to take this medicine ball, and you're going to throw it as high as you can against the wall, and then stay in the squat formation, and you're going to do it 20 times. Okay, 20, 19. And so I'm like, okay, cool, then 19, what are we doing? She's like, all right, we're going to do 19 full-out um, Push up burpees, okay? If you don't know what a burpee is, try to never find out. <laughs> and it has nothing to do with actual burping from yourself, okay? So we're gonna do these burpees, they're really intense. She's like, she's are gonna do 19 burpees, 20 wall balls and 19 burpees, and then you're gonna do all of that four times. I was like, what? So she's like, yeah, because 2019. I'm like, right, but if you add that up, it's way more than 2019. And she's like, you get the point, you're, gonna, you're doing it anyway. So about halfway through um, that workout, I literally had to lay down on the ground, okay? I was like, and I was, I, my arms felt like rubber, and I just couldn't do it. But I did it, I made it through, let's say that maybe I did three and a half sets, maybe, okay? And then I finished. So. Of course I had that moment where I was like, all right, am I going to go back to this thing? It sounded really great on you know, the last day of December that I was going to go two or three times a week to this boxing class, but right now this is not feeling like a good idea. Um, but I decided I was going to do it, so I kept going back. And so now in the last few weeks, really, right, it's only been four weeks, I've gone to boxing class at least twice a week. And by the time I got to the second or third class, it was awesome. I didn't have to lay down in the middle of the gym. That was really cool. And then now it's still really challenging, um, but when I wake up in the morning, it's not like I feel like I'm dead or I have to roll out of bed, which is what was happening for those first couple of weeks. Okay, so I tell you all this to say, all right, what is happening to my body in just four weeks of boxing class, just twice a week? What is happening if I'm passing out literally and now I'm actually able to complete the whole workout without passing out, my body's getting stronger, right? It's growing. My muscles are growing. My capacity for sucking wind and breathing is growing. Everything's growing. And I think about all of this and I say that this helps me know this idea of what is the only way to grow, okay? So you ready for what I think is the thing that ultimately brings growth in life? Are you ready for this? Stress. That wasn't the reaction I was hoping for. I don't know what I was hoping for. I got just goat like deer in headlights, like what? No, I'm serious. Okay, so what's happening, some of you are, are athletes and so you know what I mean physically, but think about just any other aspect of life, even just intellectual growth or uh, skills that you're, you're trying to grow in. Whenever you want to grow, you have to push yourself harder than you were being pushed before. And then you expand and you're like, literally your muscles, some of you know this, your muscles actually like tear a little bit, they stretch and then they grow and they're able to handle more capacity. That's what stress is. What's happened in our world, and I think you might have noticed this, is that when we talk about stress, it's almost always bad, isn't it? We say we're stressed out, like getting so, this is so stressful, Um, that person is stressful. Don't name any names, but you know what I'm talking about. Stress, it's always bad. And what's been interesting is that people have done research lately on stress, recognizing that, uh, first of all, that it's not all bad. And we've known that for a while. Some of you might have known the terms eustress and distress. Distress is when stress is bad, eustress is when stress is good. Stress, motivation, it's what gets you up in the morning. It's what gets you excited about doing things. It's the thing that pushes you from being able to do four, four sets of wall balls and, and passing out to actually being able to do it without passing out, right? It can be a very good thing, but it can also be very detrimental, can't it? What the research is finding is that how you perceive stress has everything to do with how you engage with what's going on. Your mind perceiving stress as always bad is going to always be bad for you. Your mind saying, I wonder if there's times when stress could actually be good, is going to lead to growth. In my opinion, the only real way to grow. There's a lot of other aspects, but just getting to where you are now to where you wanna go to grow, I think stress is almost always involved. So I'm gonna give you two book recommendations and one scripture where I think what the book, what these authors are talking about is very actually clearly seen in scripture I love when modern psychology is so clearly represented in scripture. I think it's amazing. So let me give you two recommendations. The first is a book called Sacred Stress by Faller and Wright, all right? So they say that there's a very common phrase. Maybe you've heard this phrase before. If you can reduce the stress in your life, then your situation will improve, all right? I I think this is everywhere. Hopefully you you know what I mean. But they're saying stress is much more than something bad that we fear. It can actually be a, a hero or this thing that we can embrace And it can impact us in ways that are super meaningful and are able to actually do things that we never thought we'd be able to do if we didn't have the hero of stress in our life. And I love these authors, they call it sacred stress. They're talking about how there's times in life when when God's spirit leads us into stressful situations in order to grow. Have you noticed that all the wilderness texts in scripture, it's God's spirit who's leading the people into the wilderness? It's never Satan. It's never uh, humans thought it'd be fun to wander around for 40 years, no. It's always God's spirit led them out into the wilderness, where there might be some stressors that might help them grow. And we do see growth that happens in God's people every time. So that's what that book's about. You don't have to get it, but I'm just telling you. The second book is called The Upside of Stress by a woman named Kelly McGonigal. Okay? Kelly is a uh, PhD at Stanford. She's uh, not writing from a Christian perspective. Um, you don't need to get this book, but you can look up the TED Talk. Isn't it nice when like the whole book's in a TED Talk? Check it out. upside of stress. And so what she says is that stress can lead to two things that people talk about all the time, fight or flight. And sometimes they put a third one on there, freeze, fight, flight, or freeze. Have you heard that before? Nod with me if you're with me. Okay. She says that's, that's true. Sure. Stress can lead to those things, but stress can actually, and oftentimes more often lead to other things like tend and befriend, What does that mean? That means when there's people who are are under stress, we reach towards each other and we say, how can we support each other? How can we come alongside each other? How can we make sure that everyone's okay? How can we befriend people that maybe are a stranger? This is what everybody does when their cars get stuck in the snow, right? We tend to befriend because we need to get our car out of the snow. That's something we see here, right? It also leads to this concept of rising to the challenge and this idea of learning and growing. And and this is not just Kelly's idea. This has been been proven in studies over and over and over that the things that lead to tend and befriend, rise to the challenge, and learning and growth almost always involve some aspect of stress. But if you're going to choose those things over fight or flight, it has to do with the way you intellectually perceive what's happening to you. Are you seeing the stress as something that's helping you grow? Or are you seeing stress as always bad and I need to avoid it at all costs? This is what this research is showing. It's really fascinating. So you don't need to get those two books, but I think it's really cool to see this conversation happening because I see Paul specifically talk about this all the time, a few places that Jesus does as well, this idea of choosing something that might be hard for the sake of the growth. Um, so let me give you one example, one of my favorite examples, and it's in Romans 5. So you have a Bible, you can pull it out. I'm going to have the NIV version on the screen. Romans 5, 1 through 8. And um, let me just read it for you. Perhaps it's familiar to you, um, but if it's not, either whether it is or not, listen for this concept in the scripture. See if you can see where it is, and then I'm going to break down the Greek just a little bit. Anybody in Greek class right now? All right, so if I'm wrong, just tell me later, but I'm going to try, okay? So here it goes. Romans 5, 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love for us in this: while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So here you have Paul trying to make this connection with, uh, with suffering and perseverance, with a response as a response to what Jesus did for us. Do you see that? You don't see Paul saying, "Hey, listen." If you really want Jesus' love, you better better rejoice in your sufferings. You better figure all this out. You don't see that at all. You're seeing him saying, listen, here's why we can do this. Because of Jesus' love in our life, we can step into very hard things. Because Jesus did the hardest thing ever for us to conquer death and to take away the, the, the things that had power over us while we were powerless. Christ died for us so that we could, what? Right here in the beginning. We could be people who boast in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we can glory in our suffering. So let's talk about these words just a little bit, okay? So the first one, put, yeah, just put glory up there. Okay, so glory meaning rejoice or joy or boast or take pride in. Taking pride in. Interesting. Now, we don't mean pride negatively here. We mean like being able to say, all right, I can handle this. Handle what? The next word. Sufferings. This means the, the pressure. Now here's what's really important about the word sufferings here in the Greek. It's internal, it's internal. In James, it talks about trials, trials, external, suffering, internal. Suffering, pressure, internal feeling of being confined. What does that sound like? Come on, it's easy, stress. (laughs) I I really think that this is the closest we have to what we mean when we say stress right now in 2019. I think this word suffering means stress. It's an internal pressure, an internal feeling of being confined. And what happens when you are confined, there's this ability to, under that stress, you expand and you grow. But we know we can do this because of what Jesus has done and that Jesus is with us. And that Jesus leads us with wisdom to decide, are these stressors things that we should step towards and how do we manage them? Versus the easy thing, which is in our human minds to say, stress is bad, stay away. Instead, we see Paul saying, actually, Jesus guides us to decide how we manage this stress so that—what? What What does it lead to? Perseverance, right? Perseverance, patience, constancy, hopeful endurance. Sign me up for some hopeful endurance. I would like that. Thank you. If we are able to have pride in the fact that God might lead us to stressful things, but God's going to lead us through them so that we grow in perseverance— that we can have hopeful endurance? I think that sounds amazing. I think that's what Paul's trying to say. And what is that going to do? It's going to lead to our character, which I love the way this is proven through trial. Guess what? There's no other way to grow in your character except to be proven through trial. Trial, remember, external. The internal, though, reality of going through trials is stress. And that leads to character. I love that. I love that Paul's talking about something that we now see so clearly displayed in psychological research. I think that's brilliant, and I think that's just another reason that we can see why the Word of God can lead us so tangibly in our life today. I think it's amazing. And finally, it leads to what hope? Expectation, anticipation, confidence. Man, when I'm halfway through that workout and I think I can't make it, it's hard to have confidence that I'm going to be alive later. I mean, I get that. But there's this reality that this leads us to a place where we're able to have a sense of hope. And you guys, I know for some of you right now, maybe you don't feel like you have a lot of hope, but let me encourage you by saying, hope is something that sometimes gets this fluffy kind of, oh, I'm feeling hopeful. You know what, sometimes, you know what hope feels like? It feels like longing. Longing is what hope feels like on a bad day. And for some of you right now, most of the hope in your life looks like longing, right? You're longing for something more. You're longing for something you feel like you don't have. You're longing for God to bring healing in a situation. You're longing for some deep friendships. You're longing for something that feels like it's just a little bit out of reach. And here, what I think Paul's inviting us into is saying, hey, listen, when you experience that longing, what it does is it helps you grow. And you see this full circle. You see this full circle. That longing can lead to that sense of suffering, that sense of, oh, man, I'm feeling the stress, but how do I manage that stress so I can develop in perseverance and that will develop my character? And so that more and more of that longing will really feel like hope. See where I'm going with that? So final, final little illustration for you, okay? This is from a, a, another book, but uh, the book's kind of not that interesting, so I'm just kind of quoting the guy's concept, okay? So this guy's name's Jeff Colvin. I think the book's called something like Talent is Overrated or something, maybe you guys read it, but. Uh, and he has this, these three circles, okay? And I think this illustrates this super well. So in the middle circle, he says this is the blue zone or the comfort zone, right? The green circle is the growth zone, The zone where you're going to see the most growth in your life. And then the outer circle is the panic zone. Okay? So imagine that this is like a rubber band, okay? And a rubber band that's in the comfort zone is not being stretched at all, right? But then if you stretch a rubber band a little bit, guess what happens to that rubber band? It becomes useful. If a rubber band's not stretched, it's not going to hold anything together. It's kind of useful in its comfort zone. But when you stretch a rubber band just at the right level, it expands, doesn't it? It gets bigger, and it can hold on to things, and it serves a purpose, and it's doing a good job. And then if you keep stretching a rubber band, guess what happens? You start to panic, right? And if you're holding that rubber band or someone near you is stretching a rubber band, don't you kind of do that because you're like, I'm panicking because you're going to snap me in the face. That's what the panic zone feels like sometimes in our lives, I think. It feels like we're being stretched and we're about to snap. So I think this represents our life. Um, Not that you're just like a rubber band, but you know, you get what I'm saying, that like you're not that useful when you're not being stretched. You're not able to live into your most full potential and you're not able to grow. But when you're stretched at a good rate, you start to grow, and you experience that growth zone. But if you get stretched too far, it feels like a panic, doesn't it? Man. So here is uh, the, the Pastor Steph opinion. This is just my opinion. This is not from a book, okay? So here's what I'm observing happening with people in the world today. We have this—go back to that circle one more time. So we, go, we have this idea of this comfort zone, and we like that comfort zone. We, we want to like the growth zone, and we want to avoid the panic zone, all right? But what I think is happening is that, um, maybe you've heard of the self-care movement. Have you heard of this? People like hashtag self-care on their like Instagram story and it's like a plate of donuts. You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) Or it's like, you're you're watching Netflix and you get to the point where it says, are you still watching? The answer is no, okay? At that point, it should just be no. (laughs) But but I mean, and I love watching shows. It's so cool that you can just follow the whole story. is that actually self-care, or is that actually self-comfort? And is one donut self-comfort and the whole plate of donuts self-indulgence? What I'm concerned about is that the self-care movement isn't always helping people to really care for themselves. It's starting to lead people into being self-indulgent or mostly seeking after self-comfort. And while it's okay to have that sometimes, I think people are choosing it a lot. And, and then what's happening is I think people are just going right over the growth zone into the panic zone, because they're, they're like freaking out because they got so much on their plate, you got you know 16 credits, whatever you have going on, and a job, and the stuff, and your roommates are nuts, and you're in total panic zone, and then people flop back into comfort zone. Then they get into panic zone, then they flop back into comfort zone. Panic, flop, panic, comfort, panic, comfort, and they're bypassing the growth zone. And I think this is something that we really need to think about in our lives. What does it look like this semester for you to be stretched in a good way? For you to maybe even sometimes choose something that's a little bit hard because you know it's gonna stretch you. It's gonna lead you to something that's gonna make you grow. Because guess what, this is not only like a rubber band. Ladies, you're gonna know this. It's like a a hair binder, right? When you stretch a hair binder, they get bigger, don't they? Guys, you'll have to ask somebody later. But what happens is when you use it a lot, it not only goes back to its original, it starts to get wider, bigger, stronger. I think that's what happens in our lives. And so my question for you, put that up on the screen, my question for you is what does it look like for you to stay in the growth zone this semester? You need to think about this. I really challenge you to talk about this with a friend. What does it look like for me to get out of the panic zone when I'm in the panic zone? How do I get, who do I need to talk to? How do I do this? What are my spiritual practices? What are the ways in which I release the unhealthy stress to God so I can get back in the growth zone? But hey, we also need to talk about what happens when I find myself kind of stuck in the comfort zone. How do I engage with the things going on in my life in a healthy way so that I can get back to the growth zone? And I say all this because I really believe that the kingdom of God has a lot of ramifications in this. God's invited us to join in what God's doing in the world, which is, by the way, an incredible invitation. But here we're coming in to join God and we're either panicking or in comfort? That doesn't make sense. Let's be people who step into growth so that we have the capacity to step into the different things that God's calling us into. Does that make sense? So I want to pray Romans 5 over you before you leave. Can I do that? God, I pray for these students. I pray for all of the, the various things they have on their plate as they look forward to the classes and the jobs and the relationships and everything that they're thinking about. Holy Spirit, would you lead them and guide them to step into that growth zone in their life? Would you lead them back from the panic zone and into your growth? into identifying with your suffering, with the stress that sometimes comes for the sake of perseverance, for the sake of character, for the sake of hope. So I pray this over them this semester, and I pray that it would honor you and that it would give you all glory and praise, and that ultimately what it would lead to is more of your kingdom coming and your will being done. It's in Jesus' name I pray all this. Amen. Thanks for having me. Have a great day.